Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. So continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark, last week we talked about the actual time where Jesus was convicted by Pontius Pilate and how Pilate brought two people on stage. He brought Barabbas, who was this murderer, who was this this criminal, and he brought Jesus. And he said to the crowd, all right, who deserves to die? Who should be let free and forgiven of their crimes and and who should die? And the crowd chanted for Barabbas and this, this criminal, this murderer, went free, even though he deserved to die. And Jesus, who was perfect, who was the son of God, was crucified and killed. But we saw how, how Jesus does not give us what we deserve. Because if God punished us for our sins as we deserve, we'd be punished for them, we would suffer death. But, but Jesus took that punishment for us because he loves us. So continuing on, uh, when we last left off, Jesus had just been sentenced by Pontius Pilate now to be crucified, and the the Roman soldiers had taken him, and they were taking him away. So we're going to pick right back up in that story in verse 16. We're going to read, and we're going to pray and get into our study. So starting in verse 16 of chapter 15. The soldiers led Jesus away to the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to shout to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes. And then they led him out to be crucified. All right, guys, let's pray and then let's get into our study. Father God, God, we should be affected by your word. God, we should not be able to read these stories or hear about what happened to you, Lord, or or who you are and not be affected by God. Have it not affect our daily lives, the way we live. We pray you'd speak to us this morning, your truths. I pray that you bless everyone here, Lord, and help them to finish out school strong and uh, finish off the school year and just be able to enjoy summer. And thank you for the worship we had this morning, Lord. And uh, We just pray pray for this entire assembly. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. A funny thing happens when you get a, a big group of guys together. And they're tired and they're exhausted. Uh, what happens is they, they seem to kind of just poke fun at one another. When you get a big group of guys together and they're, they're just bored or exhausted, they, they poke fun at one another. And we see this in this example of the, the Roman guards. All these Roman soldiers came together and it was kind of a, a tradition they would actually do. They would have maybe a stressful day running all over Jerusalem, taking care of the city. And then every once in a while, a criminal would be brought forward to be crucified or to be killed. And they would have a little fun with this guy. They'd make fun of him and just kind of relieve the stress. And they would all crowd together and they would mock this man who was a criminal. But on this day, that criminal just wasn't anyone. It was was Jesus. It was the God of the universe who who was now sitting there in this crowd of soldiers who gathered around him and they mocked him. They had fun with him. They they beat him. They they spit on him. And they mocked God. They mocked him. It starts off and and they all gather around him and they, they, they put a purple robe on him, they said. 
And back then, purple was a representation of royalty because purple was really difficult to find back then. The, the materials to dye a shirt or a cloth purple was really difficult. So now whoever's wearing purple in the room is like, yeah, that's right. Royalty, whatever. But back here, we see they dress Jesus in purple to, to mock him, to say, all right, you think you're the king of the Jews? Well, we'll give you a purple robe to represent that royalty. But then they begin to mock him. They, they spit in his face. I mean, obviously, when someone spits in your face, they're, they're mocking you or they don't think highly of you. Because you spit on the ground usually when you spit, but to spit on someone is a high form of mockery. They had an odd tradition back then because it was so dishonorable to be spit on. That if, if a father spit on one of his children, on his daughter or his son, we see in the Old Testament that it was instructed that they would have to leave the village for a week. A week. So imagine your punishment is like you didn't do the yard work your parents were supposed to have told you to do. Like, all right, come here. Come here. You come over. Yes. <laughs> they spit. Sorry, I was trying to make sure it was really dry because I didn't actually want to just spray the front row. But imagine they spit on you. Imagine people embarrassing, like, oh, great. That's disgusting. Oh, that's not spit. Oh, that's gross. Why isn't it even in there? Like, and you have to, you'd have to leave your home for a week from the, just the shame of it. Just the embarrassment of being spit upon. And that's how dishonorable it was to be spit on. Well, now picture Jesus, who's being spit on as a grown man by these guards. They're surrounding him and, and, and they're spitting in his face. Dishonoring him. Making him unclean. And then it says that they, they took a crown of thorns. They took thorns and they, they twisted them together and, and made a circle with them. And they, and they placed it on his head like a crown. Like a crown. And they, they mashed it down in the, in the thickets, bred into his scalp. So with this robe now on him and with this, this crown of thorns, they begin to bow down to him falsely and just make fun of him. Oh, hail, king of the Jews. And they bow down to him. They get on their knee and they say, Oh, most high and glorious king. And they mock Jesus. The irony is he actually is king. And he actually is Lord. And, and we know in the Bible it says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. One day these very men would, will sit in heaven and they'll look up at God, they'll look up at Jesus and see that he is king. And they will bow and they will say, O most high and precious king. But now they're saying it in a mocking tone with sarcasm that's dripping from their lips. Oh, look at this guy. He thinks he's some king. huh? What kind of king is he if he has this crown of thorns on him and we're spitting in his face? What a, what a wretched king. What a pathetic king this is. And they mocked him to his face. It says they took a, a staff and they began to beat him with it repeatedly. And he was defenseless. And they beat him. And they mocked him. And they ridiculed him. And they, they tried to, to disdain him, to dishonor him in every way they could think of. And they had their fun with him. Because to him, to them, he was just a criminal. To them, he was just another guy, just another prisoner, just another way to blow off steam. And they mocked him. What a horrible thing. And we read this and think, surely, surely God was angry at this. Surely Jesus could have done something to stop this at some point. We actually know, looking at other parts of Scripture, that, that God hates insult and mockery. He hates when people insult His people, and He hates when people insult Him. A couple of examples of this can be found in Scripture. In, 
in 2 Kings chapter 2, a prophet of the Lord, Elisha, is walking. He's walking past the city of Bethel, and they were known for pagan worship. And Elisha spoke against pagan worship. So the, the people of that town came out, and the, the, the children, it says, came out. The youth of the town came out. And a big crowd formed as he was walking by. And Elisha, like most older men, some older men, was balding. He had like, you know, a little baldy spot going on right here. And they began to mock him. They go, hey, baldy, what's going on, baldy? Hey, we see your bald head. You might want to put some sunscreen on there because it's starting to burn. Okay, and they just like pile it on, just heaping the insults on him for being bald. And they just heaped it on and kept making fun of him. And the kids just kept on going. Hey, hey, Baldy. Hey, look at this guy. His, his son's reflecting off his head. <laughs> and they're just laughing at this guy. And he calls out a curse on them. He curses all the youth that were there. And they probably make fun of him more. Oh, he's going to curse us. Ooh, no, now. What's going to happen now? Ooh. And they hear something. Just a bitter, 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 bitter. And it gets kind of louder. Like, what's that noise? And then they hear a... That's a terrible growl. Let me try again. A little better. They hear a growl, and all of a sudden, two bears come out of the woods and begin to maul and eat the children. It's in the Bible, guys. I don't make this stuff up. Two bears come out, and the kid's like, oh, Baldy, little bear, whoa! 42 children were killed by these bears. 42 children for making fun of a bald dude. Now, the bald dude, now, next time you're going to be like, I'm never going to make fun of the bald person again. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, if I made any jokes. Like, I don't want a bear to eat me or something. But God takes insults so seriously that when someone, like these children, would look on God's leader or God's prophet who put in place, that he would literally send bears to eat them. It gets better. There are some other stories. Like there's this one of a 10-foot-tall giant named Goliath. Maybe you've heard of him. And he stepped out of the Philistine army and he looked at the Israel army. And he said, I defy the ranks of Israel. I defy every person. And I defy your God. And he began to mock God of Israel. And he began to mock their people. And speak poorly of them. And so finally God said, well, okay, well maybe I'll mix it up. Rather than bears eating Goliath, maybe I'll just have a little shepherd boy. So he brings a 13, probably 14 year old boy forward. Probably had some freckles still on him and was about this tall. And he brings it forward and with a sling and a stone, kills this giant. Strikes him right between the forehead, drops him dead. Because he insulted God and he insulted God's people. Incredible. There was another story of an Assyrian king who came to the gates of Jerusalem. And he began to mock them. And he says, look, I, I'm king of Assyria and I've taken all these other places. I've destroyed all the other, other cities. And they, they prayed to their gods thinking they would save them, but they wouldn't save them. They weren't strong enough. They prayed to their gods, oh, please save us from this Assyrian king, but, but they weren't good enough. Is your God any different? Your God can't save you from me. That's what this king did and he taunted them. Well, that night they retreated to their... Their location with probably about 100,000 soldiers, the Bible says. And we actually have historical accounts of this taking place. And, and of those 100,000 soldiers that night, God sent an angel who destroyed their camp. And they went into a rain. They began to actually fight each other because of the confusion. And, and, and it says that there was just chaos. And this angel destroyed their camp. And they had to go back to Assyria. And we have historical documents that prove because of the embarrassment of this campaign against Israel... That king was one day killed by his sons in the temple of his own God. 
God takes insults to his people and to him very seriously. So you might be asking, well, okay, Barrett, God takes insults seriously. He doesn't like when people make fun of him or his people. Then how come people can make fun of me? Or how come people can make fun of God and get away with it? We see in this story how these, these officials, these Roman guards and soldiers all gather together and they could look God in the face and spit on him. Where were the bears? Why didn't any bears come out? Why didn't any Jewish boys come with slingshots and hit him in the temple or kill him? What's going on? Why didn't God strike him down? We talked earlier about how Jesus could have sneezed. And if he sneezed, he could have destroyed them if he wanted to. He's all powerful. Why didn't God punish them right there and strike all those soldiers down as they mocked God? Why doesn't God do it now? You see, sometimes, I'm sure if you go to school or you're interacting with friends at some point, you're probably made fun of. Probably. Most likely. I can still remember words that people spoke to me, insults they used, names they called me from middle school. You know that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the biggest, that's baloney. That's ridiculously insane. Because someone can break your arm, but, but that will heal. Someone will punch you in the face and get a black eye, but that will heal. But, but words, they stick, and you remember them, and they hurt, and they affect your esteem and, and how much you think of yourself. Someone makes fun of you for how you look and you remember that and you're conscious about it every time you look in the mirror. And you might ask yourself, well, how, how come people can make fun of me and mock me and he doesn't call bears down on them? It'd kind of be nice though. You're sitting in the cafeteria. Hey, your hair looks funny. Hey, bear. What? Ah! This just gets eaten right there. Anyone who insults you. It's like, I'm a child of God. Anyone who attacks me or makes fun of me is going to get eaten by a bear. Man, nobody would make fun of Christians if that was the case. It would be kind of nice. But why doesn't that happen? Why doesn't God punish those who make fun of us? Why doesn't he punish those who make fun of him? My friends one time showed me a TV show, and it's a, it's a terrible TV show. Terrible. And, and if you're watching it, I would suggest you stop. It's, it's called Family Guy. And in this terrible TV show, they actually mocked Jesus. They mocked him. They had a character of Jesus, and, and he acted silly and dumb in the show, and couldn't watch anymore after that, but but there are TV shows where they would mock our Savior and our God. Mock him. People will use his name in vain in movies, and, and they'll use the name of Jesus Christ as like a punchline, or something happens, they stub their toe and they say his name, and they mock him. They misuse his name and mistreat him and dishonor his very name. I've actually heard people say, I've been arguing with them, or just not arguing, talking with them about who God is. And they'll say, look, I know God doesn't exist. Let me show you. Hey, God, if you're real, could you strike me with lightning right now? See nothing. He's not real. I've had people say that. Now, how come God doesn't strike him right there? How come God doesn't strike down the person who uses his name, his sacred name in vain? How come someone can come up with a really offensive cartoon about Jesus? And mock him and they're not struck down. We find our answer in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And it says this. 
Jesus was, was looking at the Roman guards who were beating him, who had whipped him, who had put him on a cross. And he says this. He prays to God this. Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus loved so much the very guards who would beat him. The very men who would hurt him, who spit in his face. He loved them so much, he says, hey God, they're making a mistake. They don't realize what they're doing. God, forgive them. God, I'm sorry for what they're doing. The reason Jesus did not strike these men down at that very moment was because he desired for them to realize, guys, you're wrong. Guys, you're making, making fun of me. And I'm God, and, and if you don't change, God's going to punish you for it. You're going to suffer the consequences of it. Jesus wanted them to change. The reason God didn't strike my friend down that moment when he said, Hey, if there's a real God, why doesn't he strike me down right now? The reason he didn't strike him right down, down right then is because he desired that, that maybe one day that God would realize, Wow, there is a God. And he loves me. And he would change his life and... And that wouldn't happen. That, would, that opportunity wouldn't be there if, if God had struck him down. You see, God desires change for those who mock him and insult him. He desires for them to stop doing that and to change. But he gives them time to do so. He gives them an opportunity to change. And sometimes it works. If you keep going in Luke 23, in verse 47... There was a centurion standing by, a Roman official, and, and he had seen the mockery of Jesus. He had been, part of, been a part of watching Jesus nailed to the cross and beaten, and he heard him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he watched Jesus die with his own eyes. And he said these words after seeing it. Praise God, for surely this was a righteous man. This Roman official says, I have made a terrible mistake. I mocked this man and I insulted him and he did not deserve it. And what's more, he is a righteous man. And he changed from his ways. Now, if this man had been killed the moment that he had been making fun of Jesus, he would never have had that chance to change his heart and to be saved. Have you ever had anyone ask you, hey, why is Jesus waiting so long to come back? Why has it been 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth? And, and why does he say he's coming back, but why is he waiting so long? I've had people say that to me. They say, why for 2,000 years, 2,013 years, have we had to wait for Jesus to come back? Why doesn't he just come back now? And the answer is this. Because every day that he waits, every, every moment, every minute that he waits, someone around the world who once mocked Jesus, who once lived their life not even thinking about him, changes and says, wow, Jesus is righteous and deserving of worship. And, and Jesus, I'm sinful and I need you to save me. And they change. And that's one more person who will be in heaven. That's one more person who had a chance to change. Aren't you glad he waited for you? I'm pretty thankful. If you go back about... 14 years in my life and Jesus decides to come back then, I, I wouldn't have been ready. I wouldn't have. I was still mocking God with the way I lived my life. What if he had come back 100 years ago 
and none of us had even been born. We would have never had the opportunity to hear God's name or be created or live life. And thank goodness that he waited for us because he desired for us to be born and to be changed and to hear about him and to stop mocking him and realize that he loves us. Thank goodness that he waits for us because he desires for us to change. Now, my question to you is this. And at first it might sound a little crazy and you you might think that doesn't apply to me and to be honest, the first time I went through this study, I, I thought, well, it doesn't really apply to me, but maybe the kids can use it. And, and I was wrong. But the question is this, do you ever mock God? Do you ever mock God? Presently, not in the past, do you mock God now? If God said, you know what, just for a week, I'm going to institute a new strategy, okay? For a week, anyone who mocks me will be struck down with lightning or eaten by bears. My question would be, how many of us next week would be back here? How many? Well, depends on if you brought your bear repellent or not, maybe. But that might help a little bit. They actually have bear repellent. But my, my question is, how many of us could go a week without mocking God? Well, I think we need to understand the depths of what it means to mock God to really get what I'm saying. There's the blatant kind where you could disrespect God. Disrespect God. And you can do that how we've been talking about where you, you make fun of him. You mock him openly. Maybe you use his name in vain. Maybe make jokes about him. But, but sometimes don't we make jokes about Jesus? We just put a little just kidding at the end and it makes it okay. You know how like friends will be texting each other? And <laughs> it's really funny because people will be texting each other and they'll be like, Hey, I hate you so much of the worst. JK, like, just kidding. It's okay, right? Or they'll be texting each other and they'll be like, hey, just wanted you to know, you're like probably the ugliest person I know. JK, it doesn't make it okay just because you said JK or just kidding at the end of it. You're still saying those words and they still leave an impression on someone and, and they still disrespect them in a way. Even though you say you're just joking. So when you say a joke about Jesus or about God or you use his name in vain, even if you say, hey, I'm just kidding about it, I'm just kidding you need to realize that there's still a kernel of truth in what you're saying. That you're still abusing his name and using, using his religion and using who he is in a poor way. And you're disrespecting him. Moving on, well, do you ever think that you misrepresent God and you dishonor him or mock him in that way? Because you realize everyone who says they're a Christian represents Jesus. It's like when you wear a jersey for a football team or a baseball team. You're saying, I'm representing. I am a Redskins fan. Or you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm representing them by wearing this shirt. And what you do in representing that shirt affects how people look at that team. For example, when I was in college, um, we had this dorm. Dorm I lived on. I was 25'3". And there's another dorm called Dorm 8. And we didn't like dorm eight. And they had pranked us earlier in the year. And they had, you know, got us pretty good. We were having the girls over to our dorm for like a big party. And they dressed up in like superhero suits. And they played really loud music. And they ran through our hallway while we're with the girls. We're like, oh, great. Way to go, guys. And they kind of ruined like our outing, right? So we wanted to get back at them. So we did something a little bit dishonorable. And we mocked them. What we did was we took one of my buddy's cars. And we took like the, the markers that you used to write in the windows. And we wrote dorm eight rules on the windows. And then we took water balloons and we filled them with 
like mostly water, but then we put a little bit of syrup, a little bit of chocolate syrup in them and honey and like nasty stuff in them. And then we would drive down the street at night, like on a Friday, and we'd drive by like maybe a cute couple holding hands, walking, and we'd go, Dormate rules! And we'd throw the water balloon and it like burst on them, and they'd be like, Curse you, Dormate! Because they'd see the big Dormate logo on the side, and they'd see us yelling Dormate, and they would hate Dormate. And it's funny, because later in the week, one of my buddies was actually in class, and he overheard some people talking. And he's like, dude, I was walking with my girl, and out of nowhere, that stupid Dormate, they drove by and hit me with a water balloon. My girlfriend was getting syrup out of her hair for weeks. It's terrible. Like, just going on and on about it. And, and what we did was, by representing Dormate in a bad way, we caused people to mock or to hate or dishonor the name of Dormate. Now, I'll be honest, I'm a little convicted about it. Probably wasn't the best thing to do. We shouldn't have done it. And I am sorry for it. But my question is this. Do we ever dishonor the name of Christian? We wear t-shirts that say Christian on them. We have Facebook statuses that say, I'm a Christian. We go to Cornerstone Chapel and we wear that logo. And then we live and do our life. And my question is, do you ever do anything that would dishonor that name? Do you ever maybe use a word that a Christian wouldn't usually use? Or do you ever gossip about someone and maybe cause someone else to think, wow, that person's a Christian? That's what Jesus is like? That's what his followers are like? Man, that Jesus guy isn't that great. And they dishonor the name of Jesus because of what they see you doing. Because we represent Christ in that way. So we can mock Jesus by misrepresenting him misrepresenting his name or we can mistreat Jesus and we can mistreat him by not giving him the honor and the praise that he deserves and we can mock him by doing that you see the soldiers when they, when they bowed down to Jesus and when they put a crown on his head there was a kernel of truth in that Jesus did deserve a crown Jesus did deserve to be bowed down in worship because he was God But they were doing it with sarcasm. They weren't really meaning what they were saying. They were just saying it because they were mocking him. The words they said, they didn't actually have any meaning or weight to them. So my question is, do you ever worship God on a Sunday or Wednesday? Do you ever sit here and and say words like, Jesus, my hope is built on nothing less than, than your blood and your righteousness. Do you say those words and not really mean them? Do you? Do you say, God, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords in a worship song, but, but you're just saying those words. You don't really mean them. There's no heart behind that. My question is, isn't that misrepresenting him? Isn't that mocking God by, by calling him king, but maybe in your own life you don't actually treat him like he's a king? You just treat him like he's someone else? Isn't that wrong? Aren't we mocking God in that way? But here's the good thing. Here's the, here's the good part. God still forgives us for mocking him. He does. He doesn't send bears on us to eat us. He doesn't send lightning down and strike us down. But he offers grace. Sometimes we have this wrong view of God that he's just sitting up there in heaven with a lightning bolt. Like, oh man, make a mistake. Do it. Do it. Yes, bam. And like hits us with a lightning bolt. Like we have that image of God. Like he's just waiting there to to punish us for everything we do wrong. But that's not the case. 
what he's really doing is sitting in heaven and he looks down on us and he goes, I wish you would change. I, I, I wish you would realize the mistakes you're making and, and the consequences they'll have. I, I wish you would, would do differently because I have a better plan for you than that. And he looks at us as we mock him and mistreat him and he says, I want you to change. I want better for you. We need to examine our lives and see, are we mocking God in any way? And then seek to reverse that and say, God, you are not worthy of mistreatment, but you deserve praise and honor and glory in the highest. And you deserve for me to follow you with everything that I am. Everything. And nothing less. Guys, we've got to make sure that we're not mocking God. We've got to. Because he was so wonderful to us that while we were so sinners, he died for us and cared for us and gave us time to repent. And every moment is an opportunity to repent. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that, that while for many years, God, many of us made mistakes and mocked you with their very lives and, and were walking a path that wasn't even close to you, God, you gave us time to repent, a time to change. And every moment, every second is an opportunity to ask forgiveness for the times that we might have mocked you or mistreated you, Lord. And I pray we would ask forgiveness for those. But Lord, we can take peace and comfort in knowing this. That the work of forgiveness was finished on that cross. That God, the moment we pray and ask you to be our Lord and Savior and put our faith in you, all our sin is forgiven, God. But I pray that we would continually remind ourselves and continually convict convict us in our hearts of, of the mistakes we make and the times that we might mock you. And allow us to correct ourselves, Lord. We love you, God. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.